Sports Pan lives here on ESPN-UP and online with our app. Tanner Hoops with you Thursday afternoon. Glad that you're with us. Hope your Thursday has gone well and that you're ready to uh, get the weekend started. Always like Thursday because usually there's a game going on, whether it's a high school event, whether it's Thursday night football, whatever you're looking forward to, it's the pre-weekend and you've got time to do what you want to do and start to get in that weekend mode. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette is here. He's always in weekend mode. You're always in that relaxed atmosphere. I like that because you bring that into the studio with you. I need more of that because, man, this week just seems to go by so slow, especially when you're waiting for Christmas. It's that close. Right. It's a, it's a weird time. Uh, it's a great time, I should say, um, obviously with the holidays coming up. But I think a lot of people are just kind of in that, you know, uh, want to kind of have some downtime and just trying to get through the, the rest of the weeks here um, until we get that little break uh, for Christmas and obviously New Year's. But yeah, man, that's just, you know, I'm always kind of laid back. That's kind of my demeanor. So no matter how crazy it is or how uneventful it is, that's just kind of how I am. Just kind of keep it even keel and, uh, you know, just just enjoy. I You know, I'm enjoying what I do and and, you know, I'm just, you know, nothing to complain about, really. Do you have any fun plans for the holidays with your family coming up? How are you going to spend it? Yeah, you know, I'll probably hang out with, with my family. Um, you know, my mom is, is a big part of my life, so I like to spend time with her. I have an older and a younger sister, um, you know, to try to catch up with them, a lot of cousins and, and things like that. And I have a daughter, uh, so a six-year-old daughter. So uh, a lot of my Christmas is going to revolve around her, obviously, and, and things like that. So just definitely looking forward to spending time with the family, um, taking a little time off, and, and just enjoying, um, you know, and, and celebrating another, another year in the books. So. A lot going on here in the world of sports, as always. NBA last night was a lot of fun. A lot of teams were in action. I think the highlight had to be, no matter what team you're a fan of, the Golden State-Toronto game. Toronto goes into Oracle, a place they haven't won in 14 years, and they thump the defending NBA champs without Kawhi Leonard. 113-93. to They win by 20 on the road. First time in 14 years they pick up the win in the Bay Area. Is it Toronto's Eastern Conference to lose? I mean, how did they do that without a guy like Kawhi Leonard or DeMar DeRozan? You know, it's it's really hard to say to say no after such a great performance by Toronto just because of the things you stated. They didn't have their best player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Golden State didn't play their greatest game. Obviously, Steph Curry wasn't really on his game. I think he had like 10 points. Klay Thompson was just in this, uh, you know, the, the lower teens. Draymond Green was pretty much non-existent. Kevin Durant played well, but, yeah. um, you know, they let Kevin Durant kind of go off and get his and, and really bottled up all the other guys. I think that's the key to beating this Golden State Warriors team. I don't think the Golden State Warriors team has, has really been clicking on all cylinders, yeah. you know, firing on all cylinders all season. There's been a little turmoil in the, in uh, within the organization organization um, you know there's there's been fights Kevin Durant's kind of wishy-washy like like he's shown to be um, especially when you're talking about being in a contract year um, you know there's just something about Kevin Durant you know I respect him as a player obviously we share the la- same last name so you know I'm, he's obviously a favorite of mine but um, I don't know there's something weird something weird in that dynamic with him in the organization right now and I think it's just kind of rubbing the whole team a little bit the wrong way even if they say it's not um, but you are talking about a team who, who's won multiple NBA championships, so you know they could just really be putting it into autopilot right now. And, and when the time comes, I, I expect them to be f- firing all, on all cylinders. But going back to Toronto, I mean, you got to hand it to them when you when you don't have your best player and you're going into Oracle, a place you haven't won, uh, you know, against a team you haven't won against in, in a while, or you know they've gotten the best of you um, for the past so many years. Um, you know, it was just impressive to see Kyle Lowry. You know, he's. 
he's a guy that can do what he did last night, you know, score a lot and then get his, his, his guys involved, and he did that. But there's also times when he doesn't play well, and, he you know, he kind of shrinks under pressure. But last night he was on. Uh, Serge Ibaka had mm-hmm. kind of like a resurrection game, and he's he's good for a few of those games here and there every so often. And I think he had a double-double, had about 20 points, so he played very well. But when you look at the Eastern Conference and, and who's who's in the Eastern Conference and who's going to really challenge them, um, obviously you got Boston, who, who's kind of been up and down this they're year. They're starting to figure it they're out. They're starting to figure more. it out. So I would still say, you know, they're a, a really big contender for Toronto, and I, I expect that to be, you know, a, a series that goes probably seven games and is epic in the in the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got you got teams like the Bucks, you know, that we like to talk about a lot here, that you know are very very well off right now as well with a lot of talent, and you know they just made a, a decent trade to to kind of bolster mm-hmm. their lineup. So with George Hill coming over, so. And then you got Philly with Jimmy Butler, you know, that team could be on implosion mode at any point because of all the personalities they have. Yeah. But, you know, when they're they're on, they can play very well as well. So I mean that that's upper that upper half of the Eastern Conference I think is is very strong. But right now with Toronto the way they're playing and the confidence and you know, just the way the team overall is playing, I think it's definitely uh, their their conference to lose um up to this point. But that can change at any moment, obviously. There's still a lot of season left. Last week they lose to a Giannis-less Bucks team, and then they do what DeRozan couldn't do in his time north of the border. They do what Dwayne Casey couldn't do with the Raptors. They go down to the Oracle Arena, and they beat Golden State without their top player, without Kawhi Leonard last night. You alluded to something that I really wanted to touch on. The Warriors certainly have had their struggles, and it's been very public early on, not only on the floor but in the locker room with the relationships between several of the teammates, notably Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. Are they like the Cavs last season where they struggled early on, they had a lot of people starting to doubt them, wondering how good this team really was, and then the playoffs came around and Cleveland turned it on. Is that what this year's Golden State team is going to be like, or should they really be worried? You know, honestly, I don't think... I don't think they're worried. You know, they're in the media talking about everything's going to be all right. And I actually believe believe this team just because of the fact that they've they've been around the block a few times. I think after, like I said, after you win these multiple championships, um, and you're talking about a long NBA season with you know months and months of games and things like that, sometimes things get stale. And and it's kind of like with your siblings. You're around them so often. You know, they're traveling all the time and things like that. You start to bump heads, especially when you're talking about big personalities. Um, Kevin Durant has shown he's a big personality. He's kind of an alpha uh, player. You got to be if you want to be a superstar in the NBA. And Draymond Green has never backed down since I saw him play. You know, at Michigan State, um, he's a guy that's going to speak his mind. And uh, when two guys like that get together, and and like I said, you're, you're winning and you have all this pressure on you, um, a lot of things can happen. Um, you know, there's cracks in the armor, but I don't see I don't see them breaking. And I think when it comes down to it, when when the pressure's on and the games start to, to really matter, you know, they're going to be in the playoffs no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you talk about when playoff mode comes around, these guys are going to focus in. That's what champions do. Um, they know what the, the task is. And I think, you know, they're going to come together. And, you know, it's going to be tough to beat this team. I mean, I think this year there's a lot of teams that have, have the potential mm-hmm. more than last. Obviously, we're talking about just maybe Cleveland having a shot. But I do think there's a handful of teams that, you know, if I guess if this – spills over to the playoffs could could maybe make a very very epic upset so um, it's definitely something you want to keep an eye on but I don't think it's it's cause for concern right now 
Jake Durant from CBS. Mark Ken is in studio with us. Bucks and Pistons were both in action last night. Both of them fall. Bucks falling to Indiana, one thirteen to ninety seven, and then Detroit plays Charlotte to one point on the road and falls one hundred eight to one hundred seven. Detroit's lost six in a row. The Bucks have been up and down. They can beat Toronto without Giannis, but then they go out and lose to a team like Indiana, who, if anybody could be a dark horse in the East, it might be them, but they're certainly not on the same playing field as Toronto, Boston, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee, the top four teams over in the East. Let's start with Detroit. What's going on with them right now? I mean, some nights they've got a third score, but it's not always the same guy. Some nights it's Luke Kennard, Reggie Bullock. Some nights Ish Smith, maybe. What's going on with the Pistons? You know, I know that's an open, like a broad right. question. There, I mean, there's there's a lot lot of things that could be happening. You know, some guys just aren't playing well, and and we talked about this multiple times, and it's something that they have to address. They just don't have a consistent a consistent scorer when you talk about outside of Blake Griffin and and possibly Reggie Jackson. Andre Drummond, he's he's good and he can he can put up, you know, crazy numbers. Mm-hmm. He just can't do it consistently. Mm-hmm. And um you know, in this league when you have so many teams that that literally put five sh- scores on on the court. Um Charlotte's not one of those teams by no. any means. Um so it was kind of it was kind of disappointing last night because you wanted to think Detroit was maybe a little better than we thought, but at the end of the day, you know, your true self is going to show. And in the beginning of the season, I didn't think this team had enough firepower to stick with a lot of these up, um, upper echelon teams. And it's starting to show a little bit. And I think it's just a mix of things. I mean, um, you talk about scoring the ball, um, not being able to close games like you saw last night. Even though there was a question if that last shot uh, should even count it because, mm-hmm. you know, there was, I think, too many players <clears throat> on the floor or something <clears throat> like that. But that shouldn't have happened. They were up 10 with so many minutes to go. And they kind of let them come back and, and win that game. So, uh, I mean, they just got a lot of things to figure out. I think it is a lot of, you know, who who do we go to when our top guy, top two guys aren't scoring the ball as much as or, you know, the defense is really playing hard on them. Um, you know, they don't have that guy. You know, they're relying on a lot of mid-level guys to be that guy, and those mm-hmm. guys aren't consistent. And um, it, it hurts them, and, and obviously it's something that they're going to have to figure out if they want to take the next step. Right now this team's to me, is just a – you know, a, a lower half Eastern Conference, you know, seeded team that can make the playoffs and, and maybe make some noise. But I don't see them taking any of those top teams to seven games or anything. A probably five-game series, maybe. George Hill comes back to Milwaukee, and uh, Eric Bledsoe was a leading scorer last night, not Giannis. Still dealing with that lingering neck injury, and Bledsoe goes out for uh, 26 points last night. George Hill comes back. They dump the contracts of guys like John Henson, but... Milwaukee's got a pretty good group around them right now, and they are getting production out of those mid-level guys. The guys like Brogdon, like Connaughton, like Bledsoe, Chris Middleton's took a huge step forward this year, and they're getting those guys to step up and be key cogs for them. Yeah, you got to credit Mike uh, Budenholzer, I think, for that. He's a you know a guy that has shown he can, with the right personnel, is is a very very good coach. He Obviously had the, the short end of the stick there um, in his last gig. But it, it's exactly where you want to see the Detroit Pistons. You know, they have the Middletons who, um, you know, I think if he hits free agency is going to be wanted by a lot of teams and, and garner a lot of money because he's been playing that well. He's a guy that's been consistent. I think it's consistency. And I think that's what separates, you know, the Bucks with with Detroit because, I mean, obviously Giannis is a top, I would say, top three player in the league right now. Um, our top, I'll give him top five. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you can argue yeah. um, for sure. 
Um, but when you have Middleton's, you know, entering star status, like you said, Brogdon, who who who's a defender, but he can put the ball in the net, and then Bledsoe, who's throughout his career showed he can score too. And now you got George Hill coming in, so I think Eric Bledsoe might have a little bit more uh, motivation to kind of put some string some good games together. And he showed last night that he can do that. But yeah, you know, they got a lot of good guys that you know are willing to do the dirty work, I guess you can say. And a lot of guys that are just overall really good basketball players when you talk on both ends of the floor. Pair that with, with a guy like Giannis who, um, you know, when he wants to be as unstoppable, um, I think you got a pretty good formula for success. Uh, I think this is the, the best year, you know, the best chance Milwaukee's going to have to make some noise I mean, the East and win the East. Um, and it would be interesting to see them in Toronto in a seven-game series. You, you never know what could happen. We've got Jake Durant from CBS Marquette in studio with us. I want to keep going on the NBA, but we have to take a break. We'll come back. Could the Lakers' biggest strength be their biggest weakness? That's next on the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only at Ojibwe Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you. We're joined by Jake Durant from CBS Marquette. Let's take a look on this day in sports history. 1977 was the plane crash that killed 14 members of the Evansville basketball team. 1984 was the highest scoring NBA game in history as the Pistons beat the Nuggets 186 to 184 in triple overtime and then on this day in both 1997 and 1999 a couple of guys won Heisman trophies that listeners in this area will care about Charles Woodson and then two years later Ron Dane how about birthdays in sports today Larry Doby the outfielder for the Indians born on this day in 1924 Bo Pelini formerly coach in the Nebraska Cornhuskers now at Youngstown State 1967 Two years later, Sergei Fedorov, former Red Wings player in the NHL, was born. It's his birthday. Then in the 1980s, a couple of Rickies in the world of sports. When Ricky Nelasco, the pitcher, was born in 1982, I met him once. He was on a rehab assignment in Cedar Rapids. I met him, but we were there to see Joe Maurer because they were both playing on a rehab assignment in the minor leagues in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And then 1988, the golfer Ricky Fowler was born in one year later, of course, she's not in sports. Taylor Swift, though, she's celebrating her birthday today. You a T-Swift fan? Uh, I like a few of her songs. Yeah. I, have a, I have a young daughter. You so won't admit it on air. Listen, I have a young daughter. She likes Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. and, you know, I've been listening to Taylor Swift for the past few years. <laughs> I'll, I'll give her that. She has a couple good hits. I'll mm-hmm. say, you know, she's a superstar. She's one of the best, so I, I'm not going to say I don't like her. He said it with a wink, with a smile for the listeners. I mean, he's a Swifty. <laughs> I'm a Swifty. We'll I'm go Swifty. out and say it. Uh, Jake Durant, once again, our guest today on the Sports Pen, talking about the NBA. LeBron James went over to the Lakers this summer. That was the big splash in NBA free agency. The Lakers aren't expected to contend for a championship this year. There's no pressure on them. But maybe two or three years from now, there's going to be immense pressure on a guy like LeBron, the best player in the world, to deliver a championship for a high-profile organization like the Los Angeles Lakers. They need more than what they have right now, though. They're not going to win a title with Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart being their big two and three guys. And they're certainly not going to do it with guys like Brandon Ingram and Caldwell Pope being in the top seven or whatever they are in their rotation right now. They need at least one more huge piece to come in. A guy like Kevin Durant to be able to get 
uh, superstar level team. I'm not saying they have a realistic shot at getting Kevin Durant. I don't think they do, but they need somebody of that caliber. The question's got to be, though, who would want to go and play with LeBron? If you're a real superstar that could bring a title, why would you want to go and play in LeBron's shadow? That, I think, could end up being what keeps the Lakers from getting a key cog, is nobody wants to go and play with LeBron. And you look at the talent that has been with him in the past, guys like Kevin Love, Look where he is compared to where he used to be after being in LeBron's shadow. Isaiah Thomas was the face of the Celtics for a long time, and what happened to his career after he went over to Cleveland? Kyrie Irving's maybe the most successful former teammate that LeBron has ever had, but it seems like this Laker team was almost better. The support players, they were better last year without LeBron, and now they just kind of rely on him to do his thing. I almost wonder if bringing LeBron in guarantees the Lakers won't win a championship for the next decade or so, however long LeBron is there, because they're not going to get any key pieces around him better than what they already have. Right, and, you know, I could, I, I agree with that argument. I mean, you kind of hear what, what players around the league are saying, and, and you obviously saw, obviously, LeBron and Kyrie, that didn't end too well. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyrie basically skipped town because he was kind of overplaying with LeBron, and and um, and he was only there because LeBron joined him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when was the last time someone besides a Kevin Love, like a superstar, actually went over and and joined LeBron? Right. You kind of saw the the reverse role. Um, and you know, word has come out that a lot of players will agree that, um, especially when you're talking superstar players who are whose projection in the league, who you, you know, who who have potential. Why would you want to go and play with LeBron and stunt stunt what you have mm-hmm. and what you could be? Because when you do play with a, a a guy like LeBron, such a special talent, you obviously have to sacrifice a lot. And um, you know, Paul George is a prime example. Now, this guy, born in the area, loved the Lakers growing up, had all the reason to skip town, other than some money. I'll give him that. Yeah. There was a lot of money on the line, but you know, this was his dream scenario. And he chose, ultimately, to stick where he, he was at and play with a guy like Russell Westbrook, who can at times be also very uh, ball-possessive mm-hmm. and, and things like that. But he decided he, he's going to stay. And then he had word coming out, you know, people don't want to play with LeBron. People don't want to police players don't want to play with LeBron. Um, and now, it, it, you know, the Lakers are in this weird position because they're walking this line where, you know, they're trying to make trades, but they don't want to get rid of these young guys because they, they think they have all of their potential. Mm-hmm. But they're kind of like, you have to choose either or. Do you believe in these guys who have shown flashes? You know, you're talking about the the uh, Brandon Ingrams and, and the Lonzo Balls. Are these guys the real deal? Uh, will they be able to help? Or are you going to try to trade and, and take a chance and get some guys in um, that can help now? Now, the Ariza trade fell through recently mm-hmm. because Magic Johnson didn't want to get rid of this young core. Um, and I'm not saying Ariza's a superstar player, but it shows where the management's at, mm-hmm. unless it's a superstar. Um, I don't know if Kevin Durant's going to want to go and play with LeBron in L.A., mm-hmm. just because I think he now wants to show people that he can get it done himself um, and have guys you know, come with him to a team and, and, and win. Um, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to, to think. They're going to need somebody to kind of take the chance and be willing to you know, go out to L.A. And, and take that second spot. And it's going to be a need to be a guy that's willing to do like the dirty work. I thought Jimmy Butler would have been a good fit, mm-hmm. just because you know he can um, affect a game defensively and you know and and mentally with players. I think he would have been a good fit with Brown just because of his mental toughness. And when he has to, he can score as well. So obviously that didn't work out. He went to Philly, 
you kind of wonder what who who's going to want to go there. Could Damian Lillard go there? I can maybe see that happening. Um, and, and playing point guard, Lillard's kind of a unique guy who might be willing to kind of take on that task and just get get a championship. So um, if you really think about it, I don't know who would want to go and who who is even up to go there um, in the next couple of years. Uh, it's it's going to be tough to see. Do I? I, I I never really believed, obviously, this Lakers team this year not to win a championship, but it, it's really hard with that Golden State team. Mm-hmm. And there's so, so many good teams in the West. It's going to be really hard for LeBron. And if he does win a championship with L.A., I think it's going to be one of his greatest feats. Obviously, <laughs> Cleveland, you know, obviously Cle- winning in Cleveland, that was amazing, and that mm-hmm. was a huge feat. But, I mean, this is a, this is a, a mon- monster task for mm-hmm. LeBron. And, um, you know, if he does do it, that, that just seals it for me as, as him being obviously one of the greatest. I'll say this. I think there's a really, really good chance Kevin Durant will play in Los Angeles next year. But as a member of the Clippers, I think that would make a lot of sense for him. I don't think he'll be coming back to Golden State next season. I think that's pretty much cemented itself by now. I think there will be a great chance that Toronto isn't going to bring back Kawhi Leonard as well. What if those two team up in a place like Los Angeles? Big media market. They've got money there. Ownership, Steve Ballmer, they really, really want to make a splash. They're missing the days when you know they were relevant with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. They want to make a splash. What if they were able to get those two to team up together? They start to become the big dogs in L.A. And when you think of L.A. basketball, you start thinking of the Clippers. That's a team that could contend for the Western Conference. And I think uh, when you talk about just those two players, I think that's something that they would love. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about um, guys who obviously have been linked to the Lakers, but why not go to the team next door, literally? And mm-hmm. and as a guy like Kevin Durant, who's always kind of played second second to LeBron his whole career, why not go in there and make some noise and kind of take over the city? I mean, I think as a player, as a competitor and things like that, that would be a lot, just a lot more fulfilling, I guess you could say, than teaming up with the guy that you always played second to. Why not go to L.A. in the same city, um, in, in his territory, and kind of take over? I mean, as a competitor, as, as Kevin Durant is and, and Kawhi Leonard, I mean, you put those two on a team, whew. especially with, you know, they have a lot of nice pieces there. You know, they have part of the Pistons team, you know, Tobias Harris, I don't, you know, he's playing out of his mind and they're, they're a special group, um, you know, having a special year who no one thought they would be this good. I think it makes perfect sense. And I could definitely see that happening. I would love to see that happen. Honestly, um, you know, get those two guys over there. LA would just be the Mecca of basketball. It'd be mm-hmm. insane. Um, and who knows if see the Clippers win a championship, that'd be pretty, pretty crazy to see. I was thinking about for a long time, I thought it might make a lot of sense for Kevin Durant to go to New York. And the more that I think about it, the more I don't like that idea, particularly after they played Cleveland last night. It was actually a better game than I think a lot of people thought, but it's kind of one of those games where, like you see the Jaguars play the Titans on Thursday night football. Those two teams are just so bad with uh, New York and yeah, Cleveland I didn't, I didn't last night. Cleveland's 7-21 and now. They won the ball game. New York is 8-21. and I was listening to Levitard earlier today. I mean, could the average fan name more than two active members of the Knicks right now? Porzingis doesn't count. I don't know if I could, to be honest with you. I looked up and down the roster earlier today. I was looking at a few numbers and some stats, so you know it's not fair for me to try it. But I look up and down the roster, and I'm like, well, there's Noah Vonley averaging a whole two minutes per game. And I'm just thinking, wow, what's it going to take to rebuild a team like the Knicks? It, I mean, the Knicks have been have been pretty bad for a mm-hmm. lot of years. I was a healthy Porzingis would would help, um, and to see him kind of return to form, 
Um, you kind of heard like rumblings of Kyrie for some reason leaving Boston and, mm-hmm. and going down there just because it's, it's the New York Knicks and it's Madison Square Garden. It's, you know, one of those historic places, big city, you know, obviously you could do a lot business wise, which a lot of players take into account. It's kind of crazy how, how much players actually take into account what, you know, behind the scenes and what their brand is these days. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes players make decisions solely on that, which I don't blame them because you can make a lot more money outside of basketball um, with, you know, if you do it right. Mm-hmm. Obviously, LeBron showing that he's a superstar, but um, it's going to just take it's going to take a, t- a player to just want to want to take on the task, man. If I was a basketball player and, and, you know, I was good enough. I had a shot to go to New York and kind of resurrect that team. I would I would. Think about it for sure. Just because, you know, if you were doing that, you, you go down as a legend, you know, legendary. Um, so it's just going to take someone to take a chance on, on, on the organization and the management, but um, it's going to be tough for them. They're, they're pretty bad. Well, or they're going to have to start drafting too, mm-hmm. draft a little better. I mean, there's a lot of good guys coming out, so, you know, they got to hit on some draft picks and, and get some, some uh, assets there that they can kind of push to, to bring somebody in. Like what you were talking about, where if you can bring that franchise back, such a historic franchise in a huge city, that would be the appeal for Kevin Durant. That's where he could really cement his legacy, rather than somebody who jumps ship when the going gets tough and joins a group of all-NBA talent on one team and wins the championship that way. Right. You know, Kevin Durant, he got that monkey off his shoulder that to get a championship, but you got it has to be eating at him with mm-hmm. all the spec. You know, all the people saying, you know. He, he had to go and join this team, you know, even though he was MVP finals MVP or finals MVP a couple times and things like that. And he was a big part as a player. And as someone who, you know, I know players to talk about, you know, think about their legacy, especially when you're in the league for so many years, that has to be eating at him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's why going to, to play with LeBron really doesn't make any sense to me when you're Kevin Durant, because now you're going to go join one of the best players to ever play the game and a guy that you have had a rivalry with. I mean, talk about a career of just like weird moves that Kevin Durant has made. Um, so yeah, I mean, I do see Kev- that's why that Clippers, that Clippers scenario makes so much sense for Kevin Durant because you know, you got, you give it to him for going and, and trying to do something in, in your enemy's own backyard. I mean, that to me would be, would be huge if he could do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously he's linked there, <clears throat> and it's it's just a big market, man. You know, and that, I mean that's the only selling point they really have. But I mean, if you ask me, do I want to go to Miami or do I want to go to to New York? I'm going to Miami. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just because, <laughs> that, you know, it's it, I don't it's know. It's, it's Miami. It's Miami, man. I mean, we know it's the title is going to belong to Toronto, Golden State, Boston, Philadelphia, maybe Milwaukee, one of those teams this year. You know that you're not going to win it this season. Why not go to a fun city and hang out, kind of do what LeBron did? So I'm a little surprised maybe Jimmy Butler didn't give Miami more of a consideration, but he's in a pretty good position over in Philadelphia where they still can contend for an NBA Finals berth. Yeah, and I was hearing Miami was like interested in like John Wall mm-hmm. or you know this two, Bradley Beal, but those two guys would probably just implode in Miami. I don't, I don't see that as a good fit, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't see why, you know, there's just a lot more better options, I guess, if you're a player than, than New York city, unless you're just trying to go build a brand. If you're a younger guy on the come up, like, you know, has superstar potential, I can see going to New York early on in your career, but the latter part of your career, it's kind of, it's, it would be kind of questionable. Jake Duran from CBS Mark Jensen studio with us. We'll take a timeout transition of football, the 18 playoff gain a little momentum. That's coming up next on Sports Pen on ESPN-UP.
Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only at Ojibwe Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Tanner Hoops joined by Jake Duran in the Sports Pen. Here is your Sports Center update. The Temple Owls have named Miami defensive coordinator Manny Diaz as their new head football coach. Meanwhile, Kansas City Chief safety Eric Berry will make his season debut tonight. Thursday night football against the Chargers. And finally, there have been five Major League Baseball players in history with the first name Tanner. Two of them were traded last night for each other as Washington sent pitcher Tanner Rourke to Cincinnati in exchange for Tanner Rainey. That is your Sports Center update here on ESPN UP. Once again, Tanner Hoops along with Jake Durant as we look over to college football. Um, the 18 playoff, Jake, it looks like it might actually be starting to gain some traction. Some people are starting to get interested in it. I don't know why it took them this long to do so, but we're finally starting to see a real possibility that we could have an 18 playoff by the year 2020. And I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, too. obviously, when you well, the more and more you talk about it, the more and more it, it, it makes sense. I mean, you're talking about... Uh, the college, the hype around that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. The the matchups would be amazing. It would stop these teams um, towards the end of the year where all the players, all the good players, are you know taking the last game off to try to not get injured mm-hmm. and things like that. You'd see epic rematches, um, and you just see good football. And it and it would it would provide an opportunity for a team to make maybe a magical run like you see in college basketball. I know they're two different sports, but who knows? Maybe that last seed could come in and, and upset a team and, and become, you know, get that confidence and make a run and have this huge storyline. I think it would bring more eyes to college football because I think um, towards the end of the year, when you talk about the, all these other bowl games, these are just, you know, I don't really think about these bowl games. I'm a Michigan fan. I don't want to see Michigan play Florida for the sixth time in six years or whatever. It, some, you know, it always seems like we're playing Florida. What is mm-hmm. up with that, by the way? Um, I don't want to see that. It, it doesn't interest me at all. I honestly don't care who wins the game, and it makes you know it's it's whatever to me. All these other games, I don't care. Those two games that you talk about the college, you know, two four game, three games um, that you're talking about the the college football playoffs. That's what matters to me. So if you have eight teams, I'm, I'm glued to the television. You know, mm-hmm. It's just like the NFL playoffs and all the eyes. It makes sense for, for college football. It makes sense for the teams. It gives more motivation uh, for these teams. And, and it doesn't really affect – I don't think it will affect um, that much the importance of these games throughout the season because you still can't lose more than one or two games. You, know, you, you still can. And um, I don't know. It just makes sense to me. I'm, I'm for it, and I would love to see it. You're forgetting the – one real reason that the NCAA is doing this, and that's money. Well, yeah, they're not doing this that's for just a, a, that's just a given. They're not doing it for a player standpoint or for benefit of the school or anything like that. If they do it, it's going to be for money and how they can advertise it, and how they can promote it. If they really wanted to do it so that they could get the champion in college football, they can get a true champion. They would have expanded after 2014 when Ohio State got in as the four seed. They jumped TCU and Baylor in the final poll to get in. Proved to be the right choice because Ohio State ran the table and won the natty that year. But you get situations like that that show we probably should have an 18 playoff to make it as true of a championship as possible. 
if they really cared about that, they would have done it back then. But the NCAA, for whatever reasons, good or bad, it looks like this could become a reality in the near future, which is good because the current contract says we got to be stuck in four teams. we got to be stuck with a four-team playoff for the next seven years. So what I'm hoping for is the NCAA and the committee decides to rip up that contract and start new. So how about this? Let me ask you about the team selection and who should get in. Do you think it should be the top eight teams in the college football playoff poll at the end of the year, regardless of conference affiliation, what have you, or should there be an automatic bid process where the champions of all five power conferences, uh, one group of five, and then a couple at-larges? I, I like the latter. Mm-hmm. I like the, the conference cha- champions and then the at-larges um, just because um, you know it gives more reason to, to kind of run the table in the conference championship games. Obviously, the, you want to see the best of the best. Um, and obviously, I just think those teams are are the best the best teams, you know, no, most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and then you talk about that large bids. I think obviously, I think this year Michigan would be one, be one of those at large bids. Think so, so you know, so uh, obviously, I'm for it. Because keep in mind, Notre Dame would get one of them. Georgia would get the other at large bid. So it'd be Michigan or Georgia. I'm going Michigan. <laughs> I'm going. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. Hey, if Michigan played Georgia, who would win? I'd like to see that game. You know, I would. I still think Georgia's. Come on. I I think they would beat Notre Dame yeah, if that makes you feel better. Yeah, it, yeah. Georgia's good. They played Alabama really tough. Mm-hmm. They just fell apart. Um, but I don't know. I just like I just like that that scenario better. So Washington would get in on that aspect, and that's that's where I have a little bit of a problem with it. I don't have a preference to be honest with you. I don't have a stance yet. I'm still weighing the options, whether I like the top eight or an automatic bid situation. There's good and bad to both of it. I'm not sure I have a stance on it yet, but you can remove the group of five bid and just have three at-larges. And then the argument could be between Michigan or Central Florida. And a lot of people wouldn't like it. They'd like it up here. But I would think Michigan should get in over UCF. Right. And you, it's, it's, I mean, you're no matter what, you're going to have some sort of problem you know with these you know some team is probably going to get you know a little bit hosed when you talk about getting in UCF is a great team obviously um but yeah let's not kid ourselves that they could beat Notre Dame Michigan Georgia Oklahoma I mean, they could, they could State. Hang. yeah I mean they could they could hang mm-hmm. um but man it's it's tough obviously Michigan had a great year but either way you're talking about there's there's probably going to always be some sort of issue I'm going to talk about it, and, and teams are going to be able to argue why they should get in. But mm-hmm. yeah, that, that would be tough. I mean, that would be that would be one of the biggest question marks if you talk about this year. Well, there's always going to be teams left out, but the way I see it is that the nine and ten teams who are the first two out of an 18 playoff wouldn't contend for a national championship anyway. But the five and six teams, like this season, Georgia and Ohio State, they very much could contend for a or for a national championship. So that's why. Even if you get a few teams left out and they make their argument they can at least be a quarterfinalist, you're not denying a team a chance of winning a national championship. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when you talk about, the, like you said, the five, six teams, um, normally those teams are knocked out just by one game, sometimes, you know, a few plays here and there. And obviously they're, they're good teams, and if they, they can make some noise. But, I mean, obviously um, when you talk about the disparity of these teams, it's it's a lot different than when you talk about like a, a college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a huge drop off when you when you talk about when you're getting up there, and I think that's why eight is a good number. 
Um, not not a 16 because no. half the field would get destroyed by the upper half and it would just be ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I do agree with that. Um, that it, it, those top six, seven, eight teams would would be teams that could at, at least compete with each other and make make for good games. We put it on the poll to find out what our listeners thought, what they think should be the format for the college football playoff. Only nine percent of the listeners thought that they should keep it a fourteen playoff, which I thought was interesting. I'm glad to see that we have a consensus that there needs to be expansion somewhere. The options were. Four teams, six teams, eight teams, or more than eight teams. Eight teams won the vote with 66%. So almost two-thirds of our listeners think that there should be an eight-team college football playoff. And then 82% of the vote says it should be eight or more, which is also interesting to me. But I'm glad to see that we have a lot of our listeners that want expansion, that want to go beyond the four-team playoff. I mean... Football starts earlier, and you get some really good matchups. I'd like to see this year's matchup, you're right, with having like a 16-team playoff. It'd be fun just for the madness alone, but half those teams wouldn't have a shot at winning a title. Exactly. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. It would be fun. You might see an upset here or there, possibly. But mm-hmm. um, like I said, college football is just so different. These top top teams are just so much better. Um like you said, it would almost just be kind of a waste of, I had to say it, a little bit of a waste of time um, to have these, these guys, these teams that are, you know, mid-25s mid, mid 25s, um, in the polls come in and try to beat, say, an Alabama. If you talk about a 1 versus 16, what's that going to be? Mm-hmm. It's going to be just, demol- you know, it's going to be dominating. Alabama would dominate. I don't know who the 16th team coming in would be, but it wouldn't be good. Let's stick with football before we go to break, but let's transition over to the NFL. Week 15 kicks off tonight with a really good one. You've got the Chiefs and the Chargers. Not only is the AFC West on the line, a potential first-round buy in the playoffs is on the line. Chiefs are going to be without Sammy Watkins until the playoffs. Thankfully, Tariq Hill's injury doesn't appear to be as bad as they were fearing. He is expected to play tonight. Eric Berry, a guy we all love to cheer for, he's going to make his season debut tonight. Melvin Gordon's been upgraded to questionable for the Chargers. He's on my fantasy team, and we're in the playoffs. I kind of need him to go. (laughs) Man, this is going to be a fun football game. I know it was a good one when they first squared off. Kansas City came away with a win. But, man, this is a Charger team nobody's talked about this year, despite the fact that they're, what, 10-3? and They have a real chance to make a statement tonight. Exactly. Um, And they've they've done well this season, and they're actually my pick to come out of the AFC. Are they? um, Right now. I like to go with kind of the, the dark horse. Okay. Um, but, I mean, you're talking about a 10-3 wildcard team potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, the, but the, the teams they lost to were those upper echelon teams this season. I think they lost to L.A., obviously Kansas City. Don't know. I'm not, I'm not a, I don't follow the Chargers, yeah. the third team. But um, they haven't been able to beat those top teams. And you're talking about a team, obviously you got Phillip Rivers, who's a vet, who I would love to see win a Super Bowl just because mm-hmm. I think he deserves it. He does. Um they have a three-headed monster there at the wide receiver position who's, you know, I think one of the best groups in the NFL. If you guys haven't seen the Chargers play, um, get ready tonight because these guys, they're playmakers. Keenan Allen is just absolutely outstanding. Um, the things he's able to do, it makes it look so easy, so smooth, um, very good. And then they got Williams out of Clemson, a, a young guy, Mike Williams. And then uh, Tyrell Williams, I think his name is, mm-hmm. um, number 16 out there, who's just a big body, can run, and they're just monsters. And then, obviously, you talk about Melvin Gordon, who's questionable, coming out of Wisconsin. He's 
proved he's a really good back. And then I think uh, Eckler, I think his yep. name is. Eckler is one of those scat backs that seem to be becoming more and more popular that can do it all. Very shifty type of guy, can catch the ball and do a lot of things. And, you know, that defense, Derwin James, mm-hmm. he's playing like a pro bowler. Green Bay, you messed up. I was saying this during the draft. Green Bay was in position to draft him, and they traded out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not going to get into that. But Derwin James is playing great as a rookie. Obviously, their secondary, uh, Casey Hayward's over there. Been a pro bowler coming from Green Bay. Um, Denzel Perryman, a huge loss at middle linebacker for them. Um, another guy <laughs> another guy that Green Bay could have <laughs> had. Um, but this team is just overall really good. It's going to be hard, man. Kansas City is legit. Um, Patrick Mahomes is legit MVP of the season in my eyes. Uh, but talk about a great Thursday night matchup. I mean, this might be the best game on. It could very well be the best game on, on the whole slate this whole uh, week of the NFL season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is one you want to tune into, and, and it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see. Bill Brewers has never played good in Arrowhead Stadium. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs have have bested, I think, have the one eight of the last ten. So if if they want to make a statement tonight, it's it's time for the Chargers to make a statement. I think they're going to play them tough. I think it's going to be a good game. I'm excited for this one. We're really going to learn a lot about the two teams. We get Eric Berry back. He's a guy that's played sparingly over the last couple of years with his health. He's battled through it. He's an inspirational story. He's an all-around good guy. And that defense needs him. That defense has left a lot to be desired. And if they can't make a run to the Super Bowl this year, it's on Bob Sutton and the defensive side of things for Kansas City. How much can Eric Berry affect that defense and re-energize them after missing so much of the last two seasons? What should we realistically expect from Eric Berry here in these last three weeks until the playoffs? I mean, Eric Berry, I mean... He's one of my favorite players just because um, just the way he plays the game. He's a playmaker. Um, emotionally, you talk about lifting up a team, a guy who's endured so much and, and things like that. And when I say playmaker, I mean this guy makes some incredible plays, and he can score. You know, you talk about guys coming in at the safety position, my favorite position to kind of follow. And I just love the guys like the Troy Polamalu's, the Ed Reeds, the Sean Taylors mm-hmm. of the world. You know, those are the kind of players I like. Eric Berry's in that class. And, I mean, if he makes a play, makes an interception, does something. I mean, you talk about an emotional uplifting for a team that's already hitting on all cylinders and, and obviously a guy who's going to show up that back end, you know, because like you said, the one question the Chiefs have is that defense, losing Marcus Peters in the offseason and things like that. Um, that's the only question. But if he can come in and, and lead those guys, uh, you know, young secondary, um, in fact, um, it's just going to be huge and it's just going to add to what they have. I think – um, I, I expect him to kind of just be, be himself. I don't expect – he's just one of those guys. You know, once he gets on the field, um, you know, he just plays. And I expect him to be, you know, a, a really good a good player. And I don't think there's going to be much of a transition to get back into the game. Coming up, could the free agent prize on the QB market this offseason be Joe Flacco? Would you want him on your team? That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only at Ojibwe Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you, joined by Jake Durant. Glad that you're with us on this Thursday afternoon. We wind down to the 5 o'clock hour, and we get you there with a little bit of football free agency talk. Never too early to speculate in the offseason. Once again, 
We've got three weeks left of the regular season. We're already looking ahead potentially to next year. A few of those teams that are already out of the hunt, maybe some of them who are still mathematically in the hunt, are looking ahead to next season. By that, I mean the Washington Redskins and teams in a boat like that. Joe Flacco has been benched in favor of Lamar Jackson. Both are going to be healthy. Joe went down with an injury. Jackson comes in. He performs well. And the Ravens are in playoff position as it is right now. Jackson is going to stay as the quarterback through December. They're riding the hot hand as they probably should. Jackson, provided he doesn't have a December meltdown, will probably be the future franchise quarterback for Baltimore, which puts Super Bowl champion Joe Flacco out on the street. Him and his Super Bowl ring will be looking for work. He can play somewhere in the NFL next season. I, I, I don't think he's elite. I know that's been a long-standing question. Is Joe Flacco elite because he has a Super Bowl ring or what have you? He can play somewhere in the NFL next season. The Washington Redskins seem to be, for me, the best fit for him. I could see that being very good for him, especially if Alex Smith's injury is as bad as they fear it is. I don't wish that on Alex, but if it is, I would think that'd be a really logical spot for him. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I like that fit. Uh, talking about a team that, like you said, they don't really have they have Colt McCoy, you know, obviously you're talking about a guy who who has experience. Experience is is, is really important because he knows what it takes to win. But you know, I like Joe Flacco, but I just don't see I just don't see a team. If I'm a team, if I'm a GM, I'm looking for what the trend is, mm-hmm. and the trend is is mobile guys. Joe Flacco is not a mobile guy. He has a big arm, mm-hmm. and and in points he can he can be pretty accurate. But um, you're talking about a guy who's in the latter part of his career. Um, you know, I guess if you're already a stable team, Washington is, is there, but you know, what, what would Joe Flacco really bring? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess with Alex Smith, they were playing pretty good. So I, like you said, I could see them maybe taking a chance. Maybe Jacksonville would take a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, Blake Bortles is out the door, but you know, is he just a little bit of an upgrade from, from a, I, I shouldn't disrespect Joe Flacco like that. Joe Flacco is an upgrade from Blake Bortles, but. Is it is it that big of an upgrade to right. what's going to help your team? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think Joe Flacco, like we were talking about um, on the break, he was one of those guys that kind of rode that that stellar defense in the in the Ray Lewis train that year to a Super Bowl. He won the lottery right before his contract year. Won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Bam, bam, bam. Um, so he's going to have to find a team, obviously, with the defense that can score the ball, make plays, and, and put him in position um, to score. To you know, to be in a short field. Um, will he find that? I don't know. I, if I'm a GM, I'm looking for a younger guy that can move around the pocket and make plays, kind of like a Baker Mayfield type of guy, a young guy, um, you know, lo- like a Lamar Jackson who can run around and make plays. I think that's kind of where the league is going. Um, but if you find a, a team that's, that's willing to, you know, maybe put a Band-Aid on, on a wound when they don't have a quarterback, why not take them for a year or two? I think there are going to be three huge factors that determine this offseason and the quarterback pool. The first is going to be how Nick Foles does here in these final three weeks of the season. Carson Wentz won't play this week, likely won't play the rest of the season. Nick Foles brought his team a Super Bowl last year. They're not going to contend for one this year. They're still not mathematically eliminated. Realistically, they're not going to. Nick Foles has a chance to really, really make himself look pretty attractive. Kind of like what Joe Philbin has right now in Green Bay. Like, he's not going to come back and take that job in all likelihood, but he's got a chance to perform well so that another team will want him. Nick Foles has that opportunity in Philadelphia right now. Nick Foles probably would be an upgrade over both Flacco and Blake Bortles if either of those teams went that route. Another factor will be how Kirk Cousins does here in these final few weeks of the season because 
you were talking about Flacco and Bortles, and would that really be an upgrade? And if it is, would it be so minuscule that it'd be worth it? I think Kirk Cousins is better than Case Keenum, but not much. And he's certainly not worth $84 million. People will look at how things have panned out in Minnesota this year and how things will finish here down the regular season, and they'll wonder, do we want to be in that same boat? And the third factor will be, Will Derek Carr come back to the Raiders next season? Derek Carr, if he hits the free agent market, will be the best quarterback out there. Derek Carr is a guy that with the right coach and a few pieces. Give me that look. I is like he, Derek is he, Carr. Is he that good, though? Yeah, I think he could be pretty good. He can win you some ball games. He could win you some, I think Joe Flacco could win you some ball games. Yeah, he could, but I think Derek Carr is better than Joe Flacco. Okay. He doesn't have the Super Bowl ring, but he has been. He didn't have Ray Lewis either. Was the That's true. But... I would say that uh, Derek Carr would be an upgrade over guys like Bortles, Joe Flacco, probably over Alex Smith, to be quite honest with you. If Washington did want to go that route, Derek Carr getting on the free agent market will dictate a large part of where guys like Flacco and Bortles go. It's going to be a fun quarterback free agency coming up here in this offseason, particularly because there's not a whole lot coming out of this year's draft class, especially compared to last year. Right. I mean, there's... It's definitely not as hype as last year when you talk about mm-hmm. the Mayfields and the Darnolds and, and guys like that. Um, honestly, but outside of that, that Herbert kid out of Oregon, I guess Mizzou, uh, I can't even think of the... Um, Drew um, Locke. Drew Locke. Yeah, but maybe Dwayne Ready. Haskins, if you want. I don't don't speak guy. Dwayne Haskins. I know, I know. <laughs> don't speak that name in front of me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, could he be a good, good fit? Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't see any of those guys coming in and really being being elite off off the opening, you know, kickoff. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, New York, could they potentially try to bring in a rookie and then get somebody else? As in else? the Giants. Oh, as in the Giants, Giants excuse yeah. me, excuse me. Um, could they try to bring in a rookie and, and maybe bring in a, a vet, like you said, mm-hmm. and just kind of like mesh together just to kind of, you know, double down on, on, on their weakness? Um, yeah, Oakland seems to just be in disarray. They seem like they're a few years out. They're playing for the Las Vegas Raiders. The not Las the Vegas Raiders, Raiders, you know, Gruden might be might be relevant in year seven of his contract, ten year contract. And he has assumed total control over right. there with Reggie McKenzie being fired this mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it, it, it's just the op. I mean, if you look, at, I'm just trying to think of teams that are kind of just need the quarterback to kind of put them over the edge a little bit. There's not a lot. How about Denver? I mean, I know they're locked in with Case Keenum because, for whatever reason, they thought he could be a franchise quarterback. But, boy, he's not the long-term answer there, is he? No, I don't think so. And it's just a carousel of quarterbacks and timing, really, is what it comes down to. Um, Teams get desperate. Denver was a team that wasn't happy with what they had in-house, so they went out and got Case Keenum. They were smart about it, at Mm -hmm. least. Um, Minnesota, I don't know. You know, they were just... They were stuck at, at that point mm-hmm. and had to give them, give uh, Cousins that money. Obviously, it's not working out. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, man. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how often does it work out where an, a vet comes in and performs very well, you know, like a Brett Favre would or something like that. We'll see. How about a few of these quarterbacks? Let me throw a few names at you. Tell me if any of them have a shot at ever being a starting quarterback in the NFL again. Sam Bradford. Brock Osweiler or Teddy Bridgewater? All of them are backups right now, but do any of them have a shot at ever being starting quarterbacks in the NFL again? I'd say no, no? to all three. Really? Um, I like Teddy Bridgewater just because you know he hadn't got a really big shot. He played well for Minnesota mm-hmm. there for a little bit, obviously with that injury. Sam Bradford, he's you know thin as ice. You know 
he just breaks. Yeah. You know, you, you don't want to commit to a guy who can't stay healthy all year. Uh, Brock Osweiler, to me, he's had his chances, and just you know, to me, he just doesn't have it. You mm-hmm. know, I think he's a he's a career backup. Kind of like uh, Kyle Orton back in the day. Right. He's like the Matt Castle of the modern day. Exactly. Matt Castle's still in the league, by the way. Hey, Matt Castle, you got to give it to Matt Castle. You he do. took you know. He's made a career of eating backup. Hey, yeah. I always said that would be the best career. You it's like I mean? the yeah, it's like Alex Moran, the Alex Moran philosophy, best position in sports, backup quarterback. Right, yeah, I would love to be the Alex Moran. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't think any any of I think just Teddy Bridgewater just off potential and and kind of what he has on tape. I think when he was good, he was really good, and he's still relatively young. Um, I think Brock Osweiler has too much bad tape over his good tape, so. Yeah. I don't think he was going to do it. And, and like I said, Bradford, he had so many so many chances. He can't stay healthy. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette in studio with us. Last thing before we sign off, let's speculate on the Green Bay head coaching job because that's like everybody's favorite thing to talk about up here. Brett Favre has been mentioned here over the last couple of days. Packer fans aren't even happy about that. They said maybe as a quarterback's coach, what have you. But is there a real shot Brett Favre could be the Packers coach next year? In my honest opinion, I I just don't see it. Yeah. I just don't see it. I don't know. I think Brett Favre is kind of one of those guys that you kind of just don't really know what mm-hmm. he's going to do. And I, I don't know, man. I think it would just be more of a circus rather than something to help this team. Or then you got to talk about the dynamic between Favre and Rodgers mm-hmm. and, you know, will Rodgers listen to him. I just feel like it's just, it's just too much. It's just too much right now. They need to bring someone in that's going to kind of, you know, mellow things out. Mm-hmm. Not bring someone in that's going to stir the pot and make uh, take away from the football aspect. Um, and obviously, you know, the players would be. I just, it just doesn't. It just doesn't seem right. I don't see it happening. Lincoln Riley. Is it realistic to think that he could go to Green Bay? I don't think he should. But is it realistic that he could? It's really. I think it's realistic. I think uh, for a guy, if it, it all depends if he wants to to make that jump and and take that that career you know opportunity i think if he's ready then maybe you know why not go and play with an aaron Rodgers who can literally carry you Mm -hmm. um for for his career you know you don't have to be that great of a coach um and still you know look like you know what you're doing so i I could see lincoln riley do that i still think josh mcdaniels is is the the one guy that just Mm -hmm. makes so much sense can he get away from new england that's that's going to be the question or if they can get him away from new england i would think that move makes a lot of sense you upgrade at the quarterback level and talent plus attitude you know mm-hmm. you get a quarterback that probably doesn't hate you and you would have a chance to win but the problem with that green bay job why it will be so unattractive is you won't have three to five years to get your system in place you have to win now if you take that job because clock's ticking on aaron Rodgers, right. and you're out the door if you don't win in two years Right. I, I see potential in the job. You got Aaron Rodgers. I see a lot of young guys coming up. Obviously, there's there's some guys that have been big names that are you're going to have to make big decisions on. You got the draft picks that you need. Um, you know, you got a, a GM that's new and is willing to take some chances and maybe can pull some some big free agent in. Um, you he know, drafted I, well, too. Yeah, he drafted draft well. So, Not as much in free agency. So, I mean, there's a lot of chips on the table for that job, but it's going to be pressure. I mean, there's obviously going to be pressure there when you're talking about playing with Aaron and and um and things like that and you're expected to win in green bay so um you know it's just just gonna you know if you're a coach i think it's a great opportunity i think it's better than what a lot of the jobs that are going to be open i guess you can say give me your thoughts on this last thing before we sign off i was talking with rob domofsky the beat writer for the packers on espn.com yesterday friend of the show i asked him what are the odds that clay matthews 
and Mason Crosby are still with the Green Bay Packers next year. He thinks it's pretty good. They're both still on there, but he thinks that up to 20 guys on the 53-man roster won't be next season. Give me your thoughts on the roster makeup. I mean, I, I could definitely see that, obviously, they're going to get paid less, but mm-hmm. um, if you're Clay Matthews, a Green Bay Packer his whole career, I'm obviously a guy that he has to know he's, you know his skills are kind of diminishing a little mm-hmm. bit. He doesn't have that s- same step. You know, you're comfortable there. Why not sign a short-term, you know, cheaper deal? Um, Mason Crosby, it's hard to find kickers, consistent kickers, yeah. man. You know what I mean? And um, he's one of those guys that throughout his career has had, you know, low points. But I think still think he's a great kicker. I still do. Um, and, and like I said, he's one of those guys that are Packers for life. But I do think they need a, to lighten the load a little bit and, and get some, some different guys in there. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I agree with him. I agree with him. You know, it's time to kind of cut your, cut your ties and, and then, uh, you know, make, make some switch-ups and, and change the kind of dynamic of the team. I know they don't want to get into the revolving door of NFL kickers right now as bad as it is. Clay Matthews, if he wants to stay in Green Bay, going to have to take a massive pay cut, but there's a really good chance next year's Packer roster could be a lot different. Just not those two, as maybe a lot of people were speculating and some may be hoping for. Right, and, and I'm, I'm okay with that just because of the core that they have that I know is going to be back is a good group. So, you know, you're talking about you got your starters, now you just need to find a bench. And uh, I just think they need to find some depth, find some youth, and just find some guys that, you know, are hungry. I think that's the main thing. Find some guys that are hungry and some guys that are going to buy in and just go out there and play. And, you know, the Packers' defense has been known to be soft. They need to get some guys in there with, with a little attitude, get, mm-hmm. get some more Mike Daniels in there, um, and, and get some guys that are going to be just going to be, you know, mean. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette is our guest. Always a pleasure, my man. Looking forward to having you on again next week. Enjoy your game tonight. You got Christmas, uh, probably some shopping to do still. I know I do. Oh, yeah, I got a lot of shopping to do. I'm, not, I'm holding it off till Saturday. Uh, Got to love the holidays. Uh, a lot of, lot of shopping to be done. Um, you know, happy holidays to everybody out there, and, and definitely, uh, it's, I mean, it's a good time of year. Signing off from ESPN-UP, WZAM-ish, but Ming Marquette, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to the Sports Pen.